Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Miami football beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, what's going on? Uh, everything's great. Back from the great Pacific Northwest to the beautiful Southeast. And uh, we're inverting the episode a little bit. Usually when we talk basketball, we do that in the second half. This week, it's the biggest story in town. We got Michelle Kaufman, yep. who covers... Inter-Miami and Miami basketball for us for the Herald. Miami getting that huge win against North Carolina on Tuesday. Uh, have their biggest regular season game in I don't even know how long uh, this Saturday against Florida State. Michelle, how is, uh, how is life covering a basketball school? Well, yeah, it's, it's, I would have never thought that UM and FSU would be on top of the ACC. Uh, I don't think anyone else thought that either. So, uh, you know, Miami was picked 12th. 12th in the ACC preseason poll, and they've been sitting on top for weeks now. They're still unranked, which, uh, you know, after beating Duke and North Carolina, not just beating North Carolina, yeah. but the way they beat them, the, to go ahead by 27 points at halftime, it was the largest lead, halftime lead over North Carolina in 25 years, and it broke all kinds of records. That game was just it was so incredibly lopsided on both sides of the court. Miami just absolutely dominated and destroyed North Carolina, which nobody expected. And, you know, that's coming off a win over Duke and Syracuse and a, a one point loss to Florida state, which then beats Duke by one point in overtime. So Miami FSU on Saturday is a monster of a game. Yeah, it's um biggest, yeah, biggest regular season game since when? Do you, can you even think of the last time that you've been like thinking this? Well, this I mean, it depends Miami what Miami. you count. You know, neither one of them is ranked. So, I mean, right. if you count, you know, when they played, you know, number two Duke or they played number one Duke or North Carolina, those were huge games yeah. when they were playing a team that was ranked when when uh, when Duke played here in 2016 or 2017, 2016, I think when they were yeah. ranked number two and Miami beat them at home here uh, and the, the students stormed the floor and Devon all that Reed, stuff. Right. That was a Devon. Yeah. Reed that team. was a huge game. So they've had some big games against Duke and Carolina, but this game is, you know, it's a revenge game. I mean, they, they've only lost one game of the last 11. Yeah. They have won 10 out of 11 games. And the one loss was by one point. So Florida State on a questionable, a little bit of a questionable call on the final play of the game. Well, Michelle, what like I've, I've been reading your columns and your, your stories and they're really good. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out, I know that fans don't really show up at these games. And I, I think at North Carolina, there were more fans, right? Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Things, yeah. Does that does that what kind of difference does that make for something like basketball do you think or does it make a difference um, no, it makes a huge difference I mean they've been able to win without fans but it makes a huge difference I mean that this team I've been saying it now for well I've been saying it for about 25 years now but this program deserves to have more of a following I mean the unfortunately for Miami does not have you know, college basketball is not in the campus culture at UM. It's just not. And even, you know, yes, when the teams are ranked and on ESPN, all of a sudden the students show up and they're mugging for the ESPN cameras. But week in and week out, the Miami fans, and I'm saying this, and, you know, I got a little bit of pushback on Twitter, but it's stupid because 
I am a UM graduate. I've been covering this program since 1998. And actually, I covered it from 1985 to 87. Then I've covered it since 1998. So believe me when I tell you that I have been in hundreds of games of this team and the fans do not, the students do not show up. There are games where I look over at the student section and there are literally there this year, there was a game where there were two, two students total in the student section. Okay. Now, and then the, the haters will say, Oh, well, they were on break. UM is a commuter school. There are thousands of students who go to UM who live in South Florida, who could go to these games during the break and they don't. It's just not part of the sports culture down here, college basketball. And what I've been saying and preaching for a long time is that UM basketball deserves the the students should go support this team. They have an on-campus arena. It's free. They don't have to do anything. My daughter is about to tent for six weeks to go. She goes to Duke to go to the North Carolina game. She she's very excited. They had the tenting test last night. A hundred question Duke. (laughs) quiz on uh you know duke um uh trivia basketball trivia she has a group of 12 people and they had to go to cameron last night and take a one hour 100 question test there were 175 groups of students only 70 the top 70 scoring uh teams get the chance the honor to sleep in a tent for six weeks leading up to the north carolina game by the way my daughter called this morning super excited that she is one of the 70. She, I didn't know whether wow. to laugh or cry. I didn't know whether to congratulate or <laughs> lament. But um, so anyway, you know, a lot of the ACC schools just have a great basketball tradition, not only just Duke and Carolina, but we're talking about Virginia, Syracuse. Georgia, I, I slept in the Carrier Dome one night my freshman year to camp out for there a There you game. go. Yeah. I mean, you know, Syracuse, <laughs> Syracuse, Georgia Tech, UVA, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, all of those schools have really good tradition. And Miami right now, still, Miami is number one in first place in the ACC and dead last in attendance. <laughs> dead last in attendance with 3,000 per game. Now, yes, the North Carolina crowd was great. And, you know, they need I think to it'll be great that, Saturday, yeah. They need to bring that on Saturday and they need to bring that every game because it does, in the games that are close, it will give the Miami team energy that they just don't get when the students aren't there. Yeah. Miami, Florida state. That's probably the biggest Miami, Florida state basketball game. I mean, I'm sure they've, they've yes. had some good runs where they were both pretty good. I think. But uh, not earlier. one, two. No, they yeah, didn't have not, any. Never like this. Yeah. No, they've never had any runs where they're one, two. I mean, yeah. absolutely not. No, this is a huge game. So yeah. it's and I, and Michelle, I, I have to tell you, at least with football, this is true. I sometimes I think, they're better off not being ranked. I, I, I'm talking about in the beginning, you know, it just um, somehow something happens when you get ranked. Yeah. And you're not yeah, used but, to it. But yeah, they should. I mean, I don't know. I just think they, they've won 10 out of 11 games. They've, they've beaten all these teams and, you know, oh, and the big uh, sort of the, the national uh, whatever the, the narrative is, you know, the ACC is, you know, the ACC is down this year. Thanks. You know, the ACC is down this year. Well, I mean, the ACC is down. Why? Because North, because, because Miami and FSU are on top. Is that yeah. what makes Virginia's it bad? They're, you know, they're, but I think no matter what Miami, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be ranked Monday at this point. Um, oh, unless sure. they, get, they, unless they get like blown out by Florida state on right. Saturday. If they get blown out by Florida state, no, but if they play them well or beat them, they absolutely will be ranked. I mean, I, I think, 
Yeah, I, I mean, think I think this, right. this run, even with the loss to Florida State, that close loss, um, I think it was kind of the validating run this team, maybe not for themselves needed, but I think for the outsiders, both the national media that is not ranking, they, you know, had Miami, well, I think like 28 after the Duke game, if you look at the others receiving votes. And like you said, the low, like, it's hard for me to get, you know, all these Miami fans get upset about the team not being ranked. It's hard for me to get upset about that when, like you said, my you know, 3000 people per like it's, it's, they had to, they had to be, they had to validate that. What were they at one point when the, before, after the Duke game, what was their record? Like 12 and three, 13 yeah, and three, something yeah. like that. Yeah. They had to validate that by putting together a real run against good competition and Duke, and they did. Florida I mean, they, State, North Carolina, that was a validating stretch. Even yeah, with that losing, one by, one de- losing yeah. by one to FSU. I mean, that game was In back and forth. Back and forth. Yes. By the way, speaking of FSU, this stat that came out the other night was, I thought was just, you know, Leonard, look, I covered Leonard here when he was at UM. That guy is such a good coach. And Stan Jones, yep. his assistant, that duo of Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones is, they are really good. So listen to this stat, kind of tells you everything you need to know about Leonard. Leonard Hamilton leads all coaches in the entire history of basketball since 1948. Okay. No other coach than Leonard Hamilton has won more games. He has 55 wins. Get this 55 wins over top 25 teams when his team is unranked. So Leonard Hamilton has won 55 games unranked with his team unranked over top 25 teams, which to me, you know, a, it says something, it says a lot about him as a coach. It also maybe says something about the rankings that his team is clearly never, never ranked, but um, Leonard Hamilton is a great coach and Leonard Hamilton is a thorn in every coach's side. Nobody likes to play a Leonard Hamilton team because Leonard's teams, they are not like, you know, they're not all the McDonald's, all American, all star, fancy schmancy. No, they're just Litsy all guys, seven they feet are, two inches. They're seven feet two. <laughs> they're really tall, but also they work hard and they defend. And I mean, I remember when he was coaching here at Miami. If a guy would miss one assignment, if a def- if a player would miss one defensive assignment, he would yank him, even if it was the star of the team, yank him, yank him from the floor give him an earful and then put him back in. But he is so much about defense and hard work and grit. And that's what they did the other night. I watched the game against Duke and the game against Miami too. Uh, Those teams, those Leonard teams are just relentless. And then the other stat, the other stat about FSU that I want to bring up, which I think is really important too, is that they currently uh, have the longest, I think they've won 14 in a row in overtime. They've won 14 straight games in overtime, which, which leads, I mean, it's the longest streak in basketball. So his teams are very poised in overtime and they beat, you know, they, they continuously beat teams that are ranked. So it's going to be a very tough game. It's going to be a very tough game. And by the way, a lot of FSU fans will show up at the Watsco center. Cause I have been at (laughs) FSU games where it feels like it's 50, 50 and I'm not even kidding. It feels like 50, you hear the na, 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 and you're at the Watsco Center, and that thing is loud. That war chant is so loud when UM is playing against FSU. So, again, I will say, if, you know, the UM students, 
if they want to come out and make some noise, this would be the day to do it on Saturday at two o'clock. Yeah, I kind of expect it to be a great atmosphere because, like you said, there will be a lot of Florida State fans. It's tiny, you know, Watsco Center is tiny. They, they should be able to fill that up pretty easily, I think, for a game like this on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, um, you would think. What and, else is going on? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, because it's a tiny gym, it gets loud in there when it's like fully sold out, which has yes, not happened. I can't even. I, can you remember the last time that it was sold out? Probably during that, the Bruce Brown, well, Lonnie Walker. Well, season, during right? the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably back when Andrew Rodriguez was here. It's been yeah. years. It's yeah, been, it's been years a long time. It's truly so. packed. Yeah. Truly yeah. So packed. Watsko has its disadvantages where it's, you know, in terms of recruiting, like you said, when you only are drawing 3000 or so people a game, you know, recruits don't want to play in that kind of atmosphere, but it also, I'm not, I don't want to compare it to Cameron, but it does have that Cameron thing where it's tiny and when it fills up, it gets really loud in there. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely. what it could be like this no, weekend. No, no, I mean, it should be fun. I'm expecting a great atmosphere. Like I said, the FSU fans down here are going to come out in big numbers. And, uh, you know, the UM students did show up uh, on Saturday. They show, I mean, they showed up for the, uh, they showed up for the last game. And I think they will definitely show up. You know, it's Miami FSU. Come on. Whether it's football, basketball, it doesn't matter what sport. In baseball, when UM plays FSU, tennis, it doesn't matter what. UM FSU is a huge rivalry. And and now with the teams literally one, two in the ACC, Miami and FSU, it's unbelievable. Uh, They're ahead of Duke. They're ahead of Carolina. They're ahead of Virginia. They're ahead of all those teams. So it's, it's really been an interesting year. Yeah, a win would be huge for Miami in the like chase for winning a conference title because you put you up two games on Florida State. And then you have the tiebreaker with Duke, who in all likelihood is going to be chasing that title down the stretch. So it would be a really uh, advantageous position for them to be in uh, going into the last whatever 10 or so games we have. It it gets the end comes fast in college basketball, but uh, Miami feels like they're getting better every game, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm into this team. I think a lot of people are into this team. They're playing with so much confidence. And, you know, again, we mentioned Charlie Moore last time. That guy has completely changed this team. And the role we talked about, they're old. Everyone on that team is like 24 years old. That matters. They're all old. They're really (laughs) old. They're older than, yeah, they're older than some NBA teams. They really are. But they, they, you know, they have a lot of poise and they, and they share the ball and they're not, you know, they're not like freshmen who are all hot shot one and done who want to show themselves off. These guys are 24 year old veterans and, you know, they're playing like a team. They are really playing like a team. And the way they're passing, the way they're spacing, the, you know, the way they're spacing out around the court and just finding each other. And there's there, there's nobody selfish on that team. There is nobody selfish looking for stats on that team. They are really, you know, it, it's really absolutely the best team since the Angel Rodriguez days here. It, it's It's been really fun to watch. All right, Michelle, I know you got to run, so we'll let you get going. Um, thanks for coming on, though, and talking to Miami basketball. Uh, starting to become a regular occurrence on this show, which which I'm fine with. So uh, maybe, yes, maybe we'll get you fun. back on next week. Finally, right? Yeah. Finally. Yes. Finally. And, and like I said, I think I think we'll see some of the uh, fruits of the excitement uh, really pop out on Saturday. Like you said, you know, it's a Tuesday night in Coral Gables. It's hard to get people down there. But Saturday afternoon, that, that place should be, uh, should be popping on Saturday, I think. Uh, yeah. You can follow Michelle on Twitter at Cough Sports. Uh, she's got your Miami basketball coverage. She's also got a story. She just told us about Breck Shea catching a snake in the middle of inter-Miami practice today. So if you want to read about that, you can check that out uh, in the Miami Herald and at MiamiHerald.com. Uh, Michelle, thanks for coming on. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, Thank you, Michelle. You. All right. Bye, Susan. Bye, David. Uh, bye-bye.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Susan, let's wrap up by talking some football. Um, not a whole <laughs> lot of news in the last couple of weeks. We took last week off. Um, I don't think we missed a whole lot. Uh, I guess Kevin Smith was the one piece of news last week. Miami hiring Kevin Smith mm-hmm. as their new running backs coach, former Ole Miss running backs coach, former FAU running backs coach, uh, former running back at US at UCF. Um, and, and also and Southridge. Southridge, so, uh, another, yeah. another local guy uh, to help those recruiting efforts. Kind of needed that on the news staff. We're still seeing how it's piecing together. Um, yep. I guess the biggest news this week is that there's still no news sort of on the coordinator front. Uh, defensive coordinator has been really quiet. It's uh, There's not been Very a quiet. lot of reporting from anyone, uh, really right. any names floated out there. Um, offensive coordinator has been the subject of uh, a lot of focus this week. Um, reports from football scoop had Miami offering um, Jason Candle Jason Toledo's Candle. head coach yeah. head coach as their offensive coordinator. Um, that would have been a slam dunk home run higher, but of course, you know, it's hard to lure a head coach away to be a coordinator. You know, it was kind of a exactly. Hail Mary higher, you know, uh, offer, I would think a little bit there. Um, the other name out there, Kendall Bryles, uh, conflicting reports there, I guess we could say. Um, local uh, ESPN and I think 24-7 uh, both reported that uh, Bryles turned down Miami to stay at Arkansas, got an extension out of it, it sounds like. Um, some yep. debate locally about whether he was actually offered the job. Um, to me, it probably was all semantics. Uh, I think we what's clear is Miami was interested in him, whether they ever made him a formal contract offer or just pursuing him and you know, maybe we're getting close to offering him, especially after Jason Candle, who I'm sure was the number one choice uh, pulled out, or at least at this moment was the number one choice pulled out of consideration, I think is kind of doesn't really matter. Um, what does matter is that Miami still doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Um, and those two names were kind of the two biggest names, like the most frequently bandied about names yeah. over the last couple yeah. of weeks here. And, and now it's not totally clear what direction uh, they might be going. Yeah, I, I, it's totally unclear. I think uh, I think for a while we thought it was going to be Kendall Bryles, right? Yeah, Kendall Bryles I had on my radar for a long time. Ever, everybody did, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I thought actually that might happen. And I know I talked to people that said that definitely could happen. Um, but, uh, you know, but obviously it, it didn't. Whether... You know, reportedly he was offered, reportedly he wasn't offered. Uh, 
you know, whether somebody leaked it out just so, so he could get, you know, a nice contract extension from Arkansas. I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it would have been an interesting hire. He's very good offensive coordinator. He has a lot of baggage just because of stuff that happened at Baylor um, with his dad. And he was a major person on the staff. Right. Um, although never directly implicated with this huge sexual scandal uh, um, at, at Baylor. But the point is he's not, he's not coming to Miami. And unless we're shocked, by our next podcast uh no yeah. he's, he's not and i don't know who it's going to be again i i don't like it could be mario mario cristobal is deep into recruiting now yes. he's like, he's really putting everything into recruiting because signing day is coming up on february 2nd and i think that's his main concern right now i i mean i i i think he's a smart guy and I'm sure he has this whole list of people and he started the, the feelers and all that good stuff. But right now he's, it's, it's kind of interesting. It is kind of getting late, but then again, he's a smart guy. I, I'm not sure what he has up his sleeves. I know that the, the pro, maybe it's an NFL guy, you know, I know the Super Bowl's coming up soon and I, I i don't i'm not sure what order that would be whether he whether he what's your thought on that whether he you know he'd go to signing day and then wait the super bowl is late this year it's february 13th and i don't know I've, i i know that like ken dorsey right i was gonna say dorsey is the one is, the one other name that has been mentioned is, that we think miami would potentially be interested in that, yes um yes. we don't know his mutual interest and obviously the bills He's, uh, look, look to potentially make the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, the season could I mean, also I, end this weekend. I think they play the Chiefs on Sunday. Um, so you know they're they're in a spot where uh, if he, like you said, if he, they go to the Super Bowl, is he going to be interviewing for a Miami offensive coordinator job between now and then? I, I don't know. Um, I think it would really help to have an offensive coordinator for recruiting purposes, but at the same time. Um, if you look at the list of targets for Miami, like the, the top guys they're targeting, right. um, it is a lot of offensive linemen, which, you know, that scheme matters a little bit, but, but mirror ball is much more important to have. Um, and then a lot of defensive guys, um, defensive linemen for the most part, obviously they've got Joe Salvea already in place as a defensive right. line coach. So I, I think it's not, it's not like they're trying to get a quarterback right now, right? Like it would be impossible to land a quarterback, I think, if you didn't have an offensive coordinator in place. Or, you know, they're not really going after a lot of wide receivers. I, I don't think now that, that Frank Gladson is committed. Um, and they have, you know, Brian McClendon obviously would, would help in that regard too. But like, I think they're in okay shape to wait and make, you know, you don't want to rush it. But at the same time, um, you know, if, if you wait, like, it gets, yeah, harder. I think it gets get, harder and harder to pull guys away once they've like definitely. moved on to spring football and are really thinking about, um, you know, what's next at their current destin at their current location, um, rather than their next destination. And I'm sure, like you said, just cause we've heard, just cause there've been basically two names out there and both of them are not coming to Miami. We've found out in the last couple of days, doesn't mean that there's not other, other names out there. And, and there'll be names that, you know, names that probably pop up once, they're a little bit closer to come into a decision. That's, you know, how yeah. reporting kind of works and how people 
you know, how, 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 that's how the biz works, basically. Yeah, for sure. And I do think Dorsey, you know, that's a that's a really tough call for Ken Dorsey. Yeah. I think he would kill to get to Miami. He would lo- he's always wanted to coach at Miami and, and feel slighted. Um, pr- I'm pretty sure that Miami's never really reached out to him. I mean, before this, you know. Right. And, um, and the, but the thing is, also, his name gets sexier and sexier with each game they win or whatever. You know, he, he becomes like it's hard to turn down NFL offers, too, if he were to get any or some kind of promotion or I don't know, whatever. So, um, yeah, that should be interesting. I, I do think because they have because they have Tyler Van Dyke, because they have a really good uh, Mirabal offensive line coach. And they're working on that, and you know, because they have their running backs in place and they're, you know, they do have Jakari Brown. Um, I don't know. I think they're in, in pretty good shape in that respect. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, if, if something happens by next week and it's a name that hasn't really been on the radar, I wouldn't totally be surprised um, if it doesn't happen until after signing day, I'd be a little more surprised, but again, like I said, it, I don't think it's going to be crippling right now. It's much more important to just make a good hire than, than make a hire. Um, Kevin Smith, uh, we touched on him a little bit at the top. He's the one new oh, yeah. assistant coach we have not really like talked about because we took last week off. Um, obviously brought Henry Parrish with him from Ole Miss. Uh, I think that's yep. a pretty, you know, solid, real solid depth pickup. A guy who's a good receiver as well. Um, it's kind of funny. I remember in, in that 2020 class, uh, it was like always kind of a debate, like who's your favorite running back from Miami? Uh, Henry Parrish, who was our player of the year, won like the Nat Moore trophy, ran for more than 2000 yards and led uh, Columbus to state title. Uh, you know, there was John Chaney, who was kind of the top ranked guy for most of the time, played at Belen, Jesuit and uh, a weird like, you know, they, they were on like a ring T offense or they did at the time. Um, or or Jalen Knighton, who was, uh, you know, our Broward County player of the year. And uh, Miami now has all three of them, which is kind of fun. I think those guys are all pretty close yeah. to, to, you know, to varying degrees, um, but, but obviously know each other pretty well. And um, it's a good little trio, I think, to work with. And then those two freshmen, but uh, Kevin Smith seems like, you know, they, they had to get a local guy in, which is kind of what stood out to me, right? All the other guys they'd hired. Mirabal is obviously local, um, but McClendon, Salvea, both, um, you know, like they're Oregon guys, right? They're West Coast guys for the most part. Or, yeah. or you know, they don't have the South Florida tie. And I think that'll help with Kevin Smith. And and also Ole Miss uh, had a really good rushing offense this yeah. season. Yeah. I, they, they, they were ranked 12th nationally um, of 130 FBS teams, right? They averaged 217 yards a game. Uh, they were Their scoring offense was 24th nationally for 33.7. Um, so that's, that's good. I, I have a feeling he's a really, um, he's a really good coach and a good, good recruiter. So, and I love that he's, I love that he's a local guy. Um, so they lose Cameron Harris, but you're right. They have a nice trio now. Yeah. It's it's a a good position to be in there as well. Um, should we wrap up with, um, some NIL stuff? Is there any other coaching stuff we we should get to? I think we've got any other, there, right? any other coaching stuff, defensive coordinator. Oh. Just, it's kind of interesting. That's just like, I, we have not really heard anything. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just an open, open book. I don't defensive coordinator. I don't. I don't really know at this point. Yeah. I thought I knew offensive coordinator, but now that's you know we'll have to see. It's just kind of interesting that the two main coaching assistant coaching positions are still up for grabs. Yeah, and he's filling all the uh, Again, coaches for the most. We'll part. have to see. But there's nothing. No, there's there's nothing else. Oh, and Travaris Robinson. We forgot to mention that. Travaris Robinson. Oh, and T. Rob. uh, Leaving for Alabama. uh, Reportedly. Reportedly heading for Alabama. Um, So so that's a big loss, obviously. He was uh, really important to Miami's recruiting efforts. Anytime you lose a guy to Alabama, you know that they're uh, well-respected and and highly thought of. Um, Right. I wonder what this means for Demarcus Van Dyke. Um, who, you know, there was, we talked about it early on, like those two guys kind of felt a little redundant, um, both really good South Florida recruiters, obviously both really cornerbacks coaches. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if this makes it a little bit more likely that the DVD stays on. Um, but again, I think whatever defensive coordinator comes in, we'll have a say with that too. And that, that's, I feel right. bad, like I said, like we've said for, for the guys who are still uh, hanging around from the last staff and, and, doing a lot of good work on the recruiting trail right now. Uh, DVD, uh, Stephen Field. Um, I guess those are the only two now left, but, but those two guys. Uh, and then, you know, some of the behind the scenes guys, Ed Pata has been, been doing really good work on the recruiting trail. It's Todd I think Stephen. Yeah. I think Stephen Field is staying with UM or might stay. I yeah. I, I, I would expect I, that. He's staying um, with UM. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's a, a tricky situation for for some of those guys to be in. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff will change after signing day. I'm sure. I remember that happening with Manny Diaz too, right? I think where he got through that first signing day and then exactly changed up. I think they they hired like Andy Vaughn and a couple other um, behind the scenes people, and that'll be when Mario I think kind of makes makes some moves there. But at the same time, like I said, these guys are doing a really good job on the recruiting trail right now. And, and a lot of guys in that recruiting office, um, a lot of guys who you see very visible out in, on the recruiting trail, Ed Pata, uh, David Cooney, like there's, there's a bunch of guys that I think have, have you know, earned their place basically at UM. Yep. Uh, let's wrap up with the NIL stuff. Uh, a lot of money coming out uh, and heading into the hands and pockets of a uh, bunch of Miami players this week. Uh, John Ruiz, everyone's favorite uh, eccentric player, <laughs> uh, signing a bunch of people to deals to promote his uh, new Life Wallet app. Um, biggest one is is Jake Garcia, which is that is kind of what's in, most interesting to me. Um, you know, I, not surprising that like Tyler Van Dyke is going to make a lot of money this year off of his name, image, and likeness. Not surprising that Leonard Taylor. James, any of, you know, all yeah. these superstars are, um, you know, they're some of the most recognizable athletes in, in South Florida. Makes sense that they're making a lot of money. Uh, Jake Garcia, who obviously has not really played a whole lot, and if all goes according to plan for Miami, will not play a single snap, basically, this year, except for maybe garbage time and against whatever FCS team is on the schedule. Um, right. But, you know, it, it's a little curious to, to – to stick around and not, not hit that transfer portal. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, if it, it, for, I, for right now, at least Jake Garcia has the highest, uh, the most amount of money coming to him. And uh, for this, for these NIL deals, uh, as far as, you know, for this season and next season, I excuse me for 2022 and 2023, 
Jake actually um, signed, who's who's uh, represented by Malki Kawa, mm -hmm. uh, signed a first round management, signed yep. a, um, a two year contract. And I haven't, the other guys that I've seen have all been one year contract as, as, contract, as far as I know. Um, and two year contract making, I reported today, um, today is Thursday, that that he's making sixty thousand dollars for 2022, and next year the contract says he'll be making eighty-five thousand um, dollars per Kawa. Mm -hmm. He told me, called me today, so um, that's I don't know. That, I I tweeted out. I said it seems like very nice money to me. Eighty-five thousand next year, yeah. um, and the other guys are all kind of one-year guys, and they're making. Uh, you know, they're making decent. Uh, I like Leonard Taylor, um, Tyler Van Dyke, um, Gil Frierson uh, are making uh, $50,000 $50, this coming year. Yeah. Um, they, they have one year contracts. $50,000. That's pretty good. But Jake Garcia is getting $60,000 and eighty five dollars for the, the following year. Um, and then, and then guys like, uh, uh, and, and some of these guys are represented by, um, Drew Rosenhaus also, yes. but today, for example, I learned that, okay, so Don Chaney and Jalen Knighton, the running backs are each, they, they have one year contracts getting $40,000. I guess they'll get paid per month. Brashard Smith, a very young receiver is getting $40,000 next year. DJ Skate. Uh, offensive lineman getting 43,000 and DJ Ivy, the cornerback the senior is getting um, 43,000 for the year. And they, and what they have to do is they just have to, you know, they have community service events. They have to promote the companies of John Ruiz. Um, Gil Frierson already put out a commercial for life wallet <laughs> video that I saw today that they're, you know, just they're putting out on social media. Um, but they're they're making decent money, and the interesting yeah. thing is that that uh, Jake Garcia, you know, that second year, you know, he's he was such a highly sought after recruit nationally, and and Tyler Van Dyke did so well this year, so you know he's it's known he's going to start, and Jake heard his ankle surgery, right? So he yeah. had, I guess, he's a redshirt technically, but still. Um, you know, he would have to sit out for sure another year if, if Tyler doesn't get hurt this season. And you never know. But um, that second year is kind of a little more insurance. You know, the 85,000 doesn't hurt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it, so the two things that have stood out to me, one is just like, obviously, hey, they're getting paid like that. It helps recruiting, but all the, all the obvious things everyone's been talking about. Number two is, um, I've always kind of I've you know, I've been wondering since the day this started of what the value is going these companies are actually going to get out of um, putting money behind players and obviously I think you could say that about basically all advertising um, but I think I think for John Ruiz it's uh, working right he's like getting a lot yeah. of a lot of good PR out of this and yeah. you know sure just is. by being the guy 
the first guy to do all this. You know, if, if there were a million companies doing this, I, I don't think it would have the same level of impact, but uh, you know, he's getting, he's every Miami fans favorite billionaire right now. So uh, it's, it's working out for him. Um, and then the other thing is the Jake Garcia thing is, is like, like you said, really interesting two year escalating contract. Um, now the, the wording of that contract is going to be important because what if Tyler Van Dyke decides to come back for another year? And he's like, all right, I need to go start somewhere. Um, I can't keep sitting on the bench. Um, well, what happens, right? Like, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. I don't think the contracts can be tied. I, I don't know this for sure. And you know, there's probably creative language you can put in the contract, but I don't think the contract can be tied to where Jake Garcia is playing in college, uh, especially considering it's like a, a national company that John Ruiz is, is signing him to promote. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like meaning if he transfers, he'll still get the money. Probably. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there, there's probably That's creative right. language you can put in the contract to, to, right. but that is, um, you know, if, if he doesn't, if he transfers and I'm not saying, you know, I don't expect this to happen, but we're, we're looking at a potential interesting uh, test case scenario here. If, if he transfers and, uh, all of a sudden people are like, I, I don't want to pay him that money. He's not a Miami hurricane anymore. Uh, it becomes, you know, there, there's, yeah. we are, we're so early into this era. Uh, what it's six months basically right now that there's still so much to be figured out. And, um, that, that Jake Garcia contract stood out to me. I'm, I'm sure something similar has happened at other schools. Um, right. not paying attention to every NIL deal, but to me, um, that, that was the one that really caught my eye, not just because of the money and not just because of the fact that he is going to be a backup this year in all likelihood, but because of that two year component that is wink, wink saying, Hey, this is, so you stay here and we're guaranteeing you a lot of money once you're the starting quarterback in 2023. Yeah. I, I, I think that he gets that money. I saw something, I think Adam Aronaut, I, somebody like a, like in, like a, uh, you know, marketing agent person, yeah. somebody said, yeah, that's, they'd have to get paid. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, and by the way, um, other player, what's also interesting is there, the, John Ruiz is, or the Ruiz family, they're spreading this among other players, other sports. He told me uh, yesterday, I guess, that um, that five UM baseball players have been offered, and he was waiting to see if they accepted their mm-hmm. agreements. Okay, his son played baseball. Both sons, I think, played baseball at Miami. Both right? sons played. Right, one was a pitcher, and, and and Johnny was a was a really good infielder. But um, and then Ruiz said that he told me. Uh, Quote, there are multiple UM basketball players who have been offered NIL deals, and I'm waiting to see their decisions. So now you got basketball, too, and I guarantee you they're going to hit the female stuff soon. Um, they keep talking about softball, and, you know, obviously UM doesn't have a softball program. So we'll, we'll see what happened, but uh, see what happens. But I do think that this is uh, helping John Ruiz. Uh, and you know, he's getting, he's getting a lot of pub out of this. And, and because of that, you know, a lot of ears are listening and, um, people are more aware of all this. So it's, it's good for UM. It's a win, 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 really win for the players, obviously win for, for the businessman and 
you know, probably a win for Miami. Um, if, you know, if this translates into uh, recruiting and a recruiting advantage, which, which you definitely saw with, with Texas this last year, where it felt like every, I think Miami lost, like lost out on like two or three offensive linemen. They were recruiting to Texas because Texas had their own, I think like rule brushing up the again, edge of illegality uh, deal where every offensive lineman in Texas gets a $50,000 uh, <laughs> contract where, you know, it's, it's all the, these are all like kind of first test case scenarios. Like I said, where, um, you know, the NCAA really, I've said a lot, kind of like abdicated responsibility on this. And it means everyone is, is going to push into that gray area as much as possible. Um, and uh, you saw it with Texas, like I said, and, and like the Jake Garcia one, that's what's interesting to me is seeing what could come of that. I'm not saying obviously anything will come of it, but, but there is, it's, it's a, a creative idea that, and the incident play doesn't always like creativity um, from, from their member institutions, I guess we should say. Um, but I think we can finish up there. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan uh, monitoring all this Miami football coaching search. We got national signing day coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, Miami's got a big, big, um, recruiting underclassmen weekend this week. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, to see Miami pull a couple, not, not new, not 2022 kids, but maybe a 2023 recruit or two, uh, join the fold this weekend with, with Miami set to have a, a bit, a lot of, a lot of blue chip kids on campus, both local and, and national, because there's a, a big seven on seven tournament in uh, Miramar this weekend too. Right. By the way, I know we're running late, but long, but how, how, how early can, you know, does some of these kids commit? Could some of them start committing? Yeah. I mean, that was, it's kind of interesting because Manny Diaz really made a point of like, we don't want to take guys commitments really early for the most part. It made some exceptions. Lamar Seymour, who's Lawrence Seymour's brother is their one commit right now in the 2023 class. Um, And, you know, that's like, his brother's at Miami. He's a Miami Central guy. Like you know, he's going to probably stick with that commitment. Um, but yeah, well, we'll this will be an, it'll be interesting to see if, if Miami gets like four commitments this weekend, then uh, we'll know that things have changed in Coral Gables and with Mario Cristobal's approach. I'm actually not sure about what his history is with uh, letting kids commit early. I, I think you got to pick your spots, right? If it's if it's a Miami Northwestern, a Miami Central kid, uh, you know, a local kid you take that commitment early because it's good to get that momentum going right where that guy can then be, you know, the, the leader of that recruiting class going forward. Like, you know, I remember right. a couple of years ago, like I think Tyler Johnson committed at one of these weekends to Jaquan's little brother, like they're going to let kids like that commit. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I'm not sure how they're going to handle it, but I think they would love to get a couple to, to really get the ball rolling. Um, going in, both going into signing day. And then, you know, once, once signing day is passed, like you're fully on to 2023. So we're, we're getting pretty close to that point anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, helping out everywhere these days. Some Panthers, a lot of recruiting stuff will, will be coming down the pipeline. Uh, as we said in a few weeks, um, also wanted to uh, give a last shout out to Larry Bluestein, uh, who is in the hospital right now with COVID. Um, his friend, uh, Harold Cole set up a GoFundMe, uh, that I've retweeted. We'll, we'll have a story in the Herald about it too. So, uh, if you want to 
donate some money to a true South Florida icon, like one of the biggest, probably the biggest non-player, non-coach figure in Florida football at this point. Um, you can help out uh, with the, the GoFundMe there. And, and obviously we're all thinking about him. Yes, we are. Of, great, great a lot guy. Of the world over the year. Helps us out all the time. So uh, good person. Yeah, just an all-around great person. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. 